thankful today that I'm able to be here. I'm able to preach. Um, I'm able to come preach the, the gospel without watering down, which I will never do anyway, whether they tell me to or not. I'm not going to. Um, I know this is one place that I can come and I can preach the gospel and I'll be invited back again. There's some place you go and preach the gospel, and you know it's your one and only time, so you better make it good. Those I hit a whole lot harder than I normally hit other places. So I, I want you to know that how important the, God, the, the message this morning is um, the gospel is our only hope. The gospel and the message of the gospel is our only hope. We're in a world that is in complete turmoil. It's spinning out of control. The Bible says it would be like this. Um, as Christians, don't get caught up in the politics of this thing. Get caught up in the gospel of this thing. Know that there is the only hope for everything that we're seeing that's going awry in this country is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has always been the answer. It is the answer now, and it will always be the answer in the future is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I remember uh, Pastor Scott and I, when first started Abundant Life out there in Clay Hill off 218, and I was preaching at Mount Zion, I've been there a very short time, and we decided that we were going to make sure that everybody in our community had Bibles. He's probably shared this story with you before, so we ordered these paperback good news Bibles or something like that, just boxes of them, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and we get them, and we just start knocking on doors. We, we said within a mile or so, I can't remember what it was, of every direction of both our churches, we're going to knock on every door. We're going to make sure every home has a, a Bible, and we're going to share the gospel with them. And we put little pamphlets inside sharing the gospel in case they weren't home. We'd leave the Bible. And we did that, and I can't remember how long it took, but it took a while. But we had a, had a, a urge that everybody within the distance of our church had a Bible and had the gospel. That's the business of the church. We are to feed the hungry. We are to clothe the naked. We are to do all that. And I want to say thank you for all that you do. The amount of people that comes through this place and gets food and clothing and all of that is, is tremendous. I mean, it's just a God thing, and I, and I thank God for that. I thank God for the heart of this ministry and Pastor Scott Becker that, you, that he, you would do what the Bible says to do, and I'm grateful for that. And I thank God that, you preached, that he preached the gospel, that you, are, that you hear the gospel, and that you take the gospel. Because you can go to people with the gospel that are hungry and naked, and you can say, be thou filled and be thou clothed, and not share the gospel with them, no, clothe them, feed them, and then share the gospel with them. Because at that point, they're, they're going to take notice that there is a reason that you're doing what you're doing. Because a lot of people think, well, they're just, they're just good people. And we all know that's not true. We all, we all know that's not true. We all know that what we do, we do for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. So... Um, I, I just want to thank you and, and uh, for all that you do for the elders, for the deacons, for Pastor Scott, for everybody that, um, that serves here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. And I thank God for the job that you're doing, and I thank God that I know that you do it for the glory of God. And uh, 
hold each other accountable always to always make sure you're doing it for the glory of God. Amen? All right, so take your Bibles, if you would, to turn to the book of Romans chapter 10. What was the, what was like the third song that we sang? It was an old hymn. What was that? Praise team. Yes, uh, man, I, what was it? I think it was a third or fourth song. Okay, there was a verse in there was a verse in that song, and I was looking at it, and I was thinking, man, that's my message right there. I can just have them put that back up on the screen and point to it and say, "Be saved," and sit, go sit back down because it was it was talking about the salvation of the Lord and the grace of the Lord and the mercy of God. And the righteousness. Forgiveness I can't earn for this, I'll praise you. I mean, look at that. that I don't, we don't deserve this grace, but we get it through the gospel and through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness we can't earn. And we're going to be talking about people this morning that tried to earn forgiveness and salvation and the contrast between, between salvation by works, which is impossible, just get that out of the way, um, and salvation by the grace of God, by the, by the gospel. So Romans chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Okay, so I want to stop right here for just a moment. I was going to read it all, then go back. I'm just going to go ahead and get right into this. Here is Paul writing, and he writes this great letter, and he is, he is giving direction. He hasn't even been to Rome yet, but he's writing this letter to the church of Rome, and, he, and he, he says this in verse 10. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And my question is, is that our heart's desire? Is it, is it our heart's desire that this community around this church, around my church, is that they are saved? Is it your heart's desire that that family member that drives you crazy every time you're within 10 feet of them, is it, is it your will, is it your desire that person gets saved? Is it, is it the, the co-worker at work? Is it your desire that person gets saved? I, I believe it's very important that we stay focused on what our desire is. Is it our desire to see people born again? Is it our desire to see people transformed from hell and accepted into heaven by the grace and salvation of the Lord, or is it not? As Christians, our heart's desire is to see people get saved. Paul is saying, my heart's desire is to see Israel be saved. And a lot of times as we go through our church stuff, if we're not careful, that can kind of slip to the background a little bit. And I've seen it many times, especially when ministries start growing and there's more people and we're doing more stuff. And now there's not 50 people. Now there's 150. Now there's 250. Now there's 300. Now there's four. Now there's 500. And if you're not careful, somewhere in the middle of doing church, you forget 
our heart's desire is to see people be saved. It's easy to happen. It's easy. I mean, a, a few years, three years ago, I'm standing before a congregation, and, and I preach, and I get done. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Church is growing. A lot of people, people, people being saved. And the next day, I'm praying, and the Lord just kind of put on my heart about where my eyes were. And for somehow, in the midst of it, my eyes were on, was on Mount Zion Church. And he just kind of put on my heart, said, your mission field doesn't leave the property. And that's true. My mission field did not let the property. I was, so, I was so focused on the growth of Mount Zion Church that I forgot some basic things. That our desire is to see people saved, whether we have five people or 5,000 people, to see people born. Because we have 10,000 people, and if our desire is not to see them saved, we might as well go open a car wash somewhere. For our desire is to see people say. So my question to you, my question to my, uh, this, myself is, do you desire to see people saved? Let's just do a self-examination here real quick. You don't have to stand up. I'm not looking for anybody to jump up and shout and say, I do or I don't. Self-examination. Ask yourself right now. I'm going to ask myself right now. Is it my desire, my, really my true desire to see people saved? Okay, there's the question. The answer is in the rest of this verse, whether we whether we desire to see people saved or not. And the rest of so we'll read all again. Brethren, my heart's desire, and there's the answer, and prayer to God. That's the answer, whether we have a heart's desire for people to be saved, are we praying for them? Why is that? Because what you desire is what truly is what you're going to be praying for. And if we desire for people to be saved, we are going to be praying to God for people to be saved. So now you have the answer. You have the question, do you desire, do I desire? The answer is, the other question is, are you praying for them? And if we are not praying for them, then it certainly is not our desire because we cannot say, I cannot say, it's my desire to see people saved and never pray for those people. Never call their name before God. Never lay down on the floor on my face and seek God on their behalf. For my family, for my friends, for my co-workers, for my enemy to be born again. If we desire for that to take place, we would be praying for them. Great opportunity coming up. 21 days of fasting here at the first of the year. I encourage you to come to this church every night. I encourage you to get down on your face somewhere. And I encourage you to have a list of people that you truly desire to be saved. There may be one person on that list. And don't just go write 500 names, everybody you could possibly think of. Focus in on some, some folk. Focus in on some people. And say, you know what? If you want to start with family members, start with family members, co-workers, start with people that you're familiar with, and start praying for these people. I prayed for my dad to get saved for 30 years every day. And at 83 years old, he stepped out from behind the, the chair at church and walked up and knelt down at the altar. And I got down there beside him and got, had the privilege of leading my 83-year-old dad to the Lord. And 
And the only reason he came to Christ is because he heard the gospel and he realized, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble because that's what the gospel does. It lets you recognize your need for a Savior because everybody's like, I'm okay. I'm, I'm a good person, and they're not a good person. I'm not a good person, you're not a good person. Our, 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 our righteousness is all in Christ and what he did, not in anything that we have or ever will do. That is our righteousness because of what he has done. So, so I get a chance to lead my dad, Lord, because he heard the gospel, and I'll never forget. He knew he needed forgiveness. I get down beside my dad at the altar at the church, and he's kneeling down. First of all, it freaked me out my dad was up there anyway. And I didn't even know because we're in the middle of worship. And he'd been coming to church for, I don't know, yeah, a couple years with us. And he lived with us the last three years of his life. And I didn't make him go to church. I didn't force him. He just wanted to go. And he started hearing the gospel and hearing the gospel. And I knew the gospel got him because the question he asked, or because of the statement that he made at the altar, I said, Dad, what's going on? He said, I need forgiveness, but God could never forgive me for everything I've done in the past. So that tells me the gospel was having its perfect work in him. He knew he needed a Savior, but didn't think that Savior could forgive him. So the word again comes back, and I just told him, I said, Dad, that's what you might think. That's what I might think. But let's see what the Bible says. The Bible says that he covers the multitude of sin. I said the Apostle Paul was a, was a persecutor of the church, and he saved him, and he wrote half the New Testament. And my, and my dad prayed to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that day at that altar because of the gospel of Jesus Christ let him recognize his need for a Savior. So, so that's the importance of the gospel, not just for me to preach it, but for you to preach it, to proclaim it. A proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The sad thing is, a lot of people in church, if you just walked up to them and said, um, tell me what the gospel is. Uh, I, uh, no, explain to me just very briefly, generic terms, fifth grader, kindergarten, explain to me what the gospel is. I, uh, uh, you need to know what the gospel is before you can tell anybody what the gospel is. And it's not complicated. It's all wrapped up right in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's all wrapped up right there. And so it's important that we share the gospel. Why? Because it is our only hope. It's my only hope. It's your only hope. It's the world's only hope. So if we desire for people to be saved... We will be praying. He said, my heart's desire is for Israel to be saved. And he prayed for them. He was, he was praying for them. Desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. When's the last time you called somebody's name out to God and just said out loud, God, it's my desire to see them saved. Save them. Save them. Deal with them with your word, with your spirit, with your gospel. Send me, send others, send your Holy Spirit, Lord, whatever you have to do to save them. If that's your desire, that's what you will pray. So in verse 2, 
So we, there's the question, do you desire it? We tested that question. You said yes, I said yes, we desire it. We tested it to see if we're praying for them. If we're not praying for them, get a desire and pray for these folk that they would be born again. And then verse 2, it says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So he is speaking of here again Israel. And they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. What does that mean? See, they had a zeal for God trying to reach God in natural ways. Through keeping the Ten Commandments, which all of them broke. With sacrificing animals, burnt offerings, dove offerings, sheep offerings, bull offerings. They off, they're killing so many animals. Why did they have to keep doing that if they were keeping the Ten Commandments? It's because they kept breaking God's law. They had to go for forgiveness because they could not obtained righteousness through the law. It was impossible. So they'd have to have an animal shed its blood for the sacrifice of their sin. They didn't have the knowledge. So Paul is talking about the knowledge that you do not have. You have a zeal for God. You're doing all this stuff to get close to God, but you don't have a knowledge of the truth. What was the truth? The gospel was the truth. They were rejecting it. And it's the thing they needed the most. So verse 2 again, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, there it is, hold on a minute, they were ignorant of God's righteousness, what are, what, what are you talking about? These people killed more animals for the sacrifice of their sin than, it, I mean, they, they were slaughtered them everywhere, blood running down the street, they were sacrificing so many, what do you mean they weren't righteous? They kept the Ten Commandments, they put phylacteries of the law on their forehead, strap it to the forehead, they had the robes that went down to the ground, which is, all that's a form of righteousness, and I know the law, and I'm going to put the law in a, in a phylactery box on my head, and, and what do you mean they're not righteous? They weren't righteous. That's all outward stuff. You can't obtain righteousness through any outward stuff. Our righteousness comes from above. Our righteousness comes from a resurrected Savior. Our righteousness comes from the shed uh, blood of Calvary. Our righteousness comes from Jesus Christ alone. That is the only hope we have. And they were trying to obtain that, and so Paul lets them know that you are ignorant of righteousness. And you are going to about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. There it is again. So they are not, they're not righteous. They're established their own righteousness, and they are not submitting themselves to the righteousness of God. Why were they not submit? Why would they not do that? Why would they go through all the stuff that they'd went through their whole life? Some of these people practically lived in the synagogue. See, some of these people. I mean, it was amazing how dedicated they were. But Paul is saying, you don't have it. You don't have it. But wait a minute. What do you mean I don't have it? Some of these people could not grasp that the righteousness was in Christ. 
They still thought it was in them by what they did. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he did away with the law. He, he didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law. It was complete. Thank God it was complete. Because the Bible says if you've broken one, you're guilty of all. God, Lord Jesus, help me. Thank you that I live on this side of the cross. That's all I'm saying. Thank the Lord. Because now we are saved, uh, we're only righteous through God. So they, 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 would, uh, they tried to establish their own righteousness. Um, they um, had not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. Now you tell them that and they couldn't believe what you were saying. There's no way I haven't submitted myself to the righteousness of God. They had not because they would not accept the gospel as the truth, as the good word. They, as, they wouldn't accept it. So they rejected it, and because of that, Paul is saying, you are not righteous because you haven't submitted yourself to God. Verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. There it is. You can't be righteous. It's the end of the law through righteousness. For Moses uh, describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead, but what saith it? Listen, listen to this. The word is near to you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is which word? The word of faith which we preach. He's saying, forget the law. You can't get there. You can't be righteous. It is through the word of faith, and if you have any doubt on what that word of faith is, it's what we've been preaching to you that you're rejecting. And he goes on to confirm that even more in verse 9, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thank you, Jesus. How do you get there? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So all of this, I want to go back up to verse 9. It says, that if thou confess in thy mouth and believe where in your heart. See, now it comes from an outward righteousness to what's going on inside of here. Because you, because you and I cannot get to him unless we get rid of all of that and get something going on right here it's not outward anymore it's inward it's a now it's now it's not a spiritual thing from outward stuff it's a supernatural thing because of what's going on inside of us the only way that you and i have ever been born again if you're here and you're born again you're truly saved you're truly born again if you're here you know it was a supernatural event that took place in your life that you could be born again you didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't even know that I needed salvation. It was supernatural. He called us. He got the gospel to us. He, he saved us. How? Confess with our mouth and believe in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the Pharisees and scribes saying, Are you kidding me? You think that's all it takes to know God? 
Yes. That's why they could not grasp it because some of these people were 80 years old and they've jumped through all the hoops of religion for so many years. How dare you say something else? And Jesus, if you say it again, we're going to kill you. And they did. So they were ignorant to the righteous God. They didn't know what it was. Paul tells them what it is and how to have it. Verse 11, he's not done. For the scripture saith, Whoever, whosoever shall believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew, this wrecks their world too. Verse 12, for there is no reason between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. That blows their mind. Hold on a minute. It's just for us, nobody else. You have to, you have to, be, you have to be like us. And here Paul is saying, hold on a minute. It's not only for the Jew, but it's for the Greek. Oh, I can see them just ripping their garments, throwing ashes up in there, repent. They're wanting to kill everybody in sight. And he said, not only is it for people outside the Jewish religion, but it's also for women and everybody. The Greek... The Jew, the man, the women, you know, in other words, it said for human beings is what this gospel is for. That was a hard pill for them to swallow, and sometimes a hard pill for us to swallow because we get so religious sometimes that we think that our righteousness is still underneath our control. We don't keep the commandments to be saved, and we don't live right to be saved. We live right and keep the commandments because we are saved. Because we are born again. Because, because we do have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that's why that takes place. So he continues on with verse 12, um, verse 13. For Here it is again. For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then? Now, now, okay, so that's the grace of God. That's the salvation of the Lord. That's the righteousness of God. That's for everybody Jew, Greek, male, female, rich, and poor. So all of that comes from above to us for those that will receive it and believe. And verse 14 puts the ball right back in our court because even though we don't obtain righteousness through good works, there's still works to be done so other people can obtain the righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ. So we have a job. We have a duty. What is that? Verse 14, now then shall they call upon uh, him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel and bring glad tithings of good things. So our job, and I know a lot of y'all got preacher highlighted in your Bible right here, and you're thinking, well, that's his job, that's their job. I got news for you. He was writing this to a church. He was writing this to a people. He was writing this to Christians. We are all called and commissioned to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
to proclaim the truth. What, what is it? What's it look like? What is the gospel? Paul just shared it in the verse that I just read to you. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is all wrapped up again in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You know what the hope is for the surrounding neighborhood of this church? The gospel is the hope. Some will receive it. Some will reject it. That's none of our business. The Bible says to sow the seed. It says something's going to fall on good ground, bad ground, stony ground. Some, the thorns of the, the cares of the world are going to choke some out. None of you are in my business. Just sow the seed. Get it out there. Sow it. It's God's business what type of ground it falls on. I've had some people say, well, I would witness that person, but it's pretty much a waste of time. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, sow the seed. Get it out there. So that's the end of the law. Righteousness through the law. You cannot get there through anything else except the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And here is the beautiful picture of salvation, not just for the Israelites, not just for Jerusalem, but for everybody. This is the glorious, beautiful picture of the gospel. But again, in verse 14, how then shall they call upon him and who they do not believe? And that sounds pretty good, but like they don't believe, so they don't know. That's not where it stops. It's just asking a question and then asking another question. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You're a preacher. You're a preacher. So how, how, how will they believe or how will they know if they don't believe? Okay, no, the better question is how will they believe unless we tell them? And how will we tell them unless we go? We must go. Because it is our only hope. You know, the story in the Bible uh, over there in Luke chapter 8, and I'm just going to hit it just for a minute. We don't necessarily have to go there. I know you have the scripture unless you, okay, you're good. You are good. <laughs> you quit, brother. Huh? I just met you like 30 minutes ago. You, <laughs> you're good. Uh, okay, so Luke 8, 32. You know this story is a herd of swine. Okay, so let me set it up for you. Jesus Gets off the boat, you know the man that was full of de- that was full of demons. They said uh, we're legion for they many. Remember, he he's going to cast the demons out, and here he decides he will cast them into some pigs. and um, And there was a herd of swine, many feeding on the mountain, and uh, they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then, when the devil's out of the man, and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that uh, fed them saw that was done, they fled and went and told it into the city and into the country. And they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude, listen to this, then the whole multitude of the country, the Gardarians found about, besought him to depart 
from them, for they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and show great things that God has done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done to him. Don't go to the next one yet. Now, they don't want him there because he performed a miracle and got in their pocketbook a little bit. And they were scared. He... It just blows my mind every time I read that scripture. It just blows my mind that these people would not say, no, please stay here. Uh, because they knew the one that was demon-possessed. They, they tried many times to do something that couldn't do anything with him. But Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, you come out and go into them, and that's what they did. That's the man I want to be with, and I don't want him going anywhere. If he goes anywhere, I'm going where he goes. But they were upset. They were scared. They, he killed his pigs. Lord Jesus. And... Jesus decided he would leave. And it, you notice it said all of the country came together and wanted him to leave. They didn't want, nobody was saying, no, let him stay, huh? But something happened with this one man that was delivered from these devils. He told him, you go tell, all, publish all throughout what good things has done. I want to draw your attention to something. I like this screen that I can reach up and touch, so I'm going to work it a little bit. See this word right here? There's another word for that word that I want to share with you. And that word is blaze. I want you to blaze and tell people what I've done. That word actually comes from blazing a trail through a wilderness that has never been blazed with a machete or a hatchet or a weed eater or whatever it is, blazing a trail. Jesus said, I, that's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to blaze a trail and I want you to tell everybody what great things God has done for you. They want him to leave. They're mad at him. They're scared. He got in his pocketbook. The, and, and this guy doesn't want him to leave, of course. And he, plus, he wants to go with him. Go to the next verse. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. That one man changed everybody's mind. With what? blazing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't want it. It's the gospel. I'll blaze a trail through this darkness with this glorious gospel. And he did it so well that when it, Jesus came back, they're waiting on him. They're glad to see him. Now, we don't, I don't know how long that time frame has been, but it doesn't even matter. You know what changed it? You know what changed your mind? You know what changed your heart? The gospel, the good works of God. And it can change any darkness that you're in the middle of also. It can change your family and your friends. It's changed us. Blaze the gospel. 
I have a very personal experience about, about how important it is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, because I closed my Bible doesn't mean you need to start rattling car keys and all that stuff, you know. I love those people with the big zip-up Bibles. You close your Bible, and it's like, I'm like, zip it up already. Please, get it. They're trying to be quiet, but it's like, click, 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 click. Anyway, pet peeve, sorry. <laughs> so I have a personal story. This is very personal to me, and that's why I'm so, one reason I'm so passionate, not only because I know it's our only hope, passionate about preaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is I was a young man, born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, went to school in Florida, in Jacksonville, graduated from Ed White High School. I am in the Bible Belt of the Bible Belt. So I've got Hillcrest Baptist Church that is three blocks from my house. I've got an open Bible church at the end of the road. I've got, um, I've got a Pentecostal church not far. I've got an, another uh, independent fundamental Baptist church not far from my house. I've got, I mean, there's just churches all around me. I can hit, I can hit five churches with a rock from my front yard just about. We moved in the house when I was five years old. On the west side of Jacksonville, all the way till I was a senior in high school and graduated, nobody ever shared the gospel with me. Nobody ever invited me to church. Nobody ever, nobody ever did anything of that nature with me, all the way through. One guy that I saw get saved, he got saved, a guy named Michael Stephen, he gets saved that we went to school with, and I just watched him from a distance in school, and he was fired up. He carried his Bible every day from a drug addict to a Jesus freak. And that intrigued me, but I still didn't know anything about the gospel. And this is why it's important, because there's something that happened to me when I was a senior in high school. My dad would let me take the truck on a date on Friday night when I was a senior, his truck. But the deal was I always had to keep the oil changed, tires rotated, because, you know, teenagers did stuff like that back then. <laughs> uh, some teenagers, teenagers think a dipstick is something they call the guy they don't like down the road or something. But it's, we, we did that stuff. But I remember I'm fixing to take this beautiful creature on a I mean, I'm, I'd have met Diane. We're dating. We met in high school. Man, I, I'm ready to go out on a date. Blonde hair, hazel eyes, and I'm just, I'm Twitter-pated. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm completely Twitter-pated. And I'm infatuated. If you don't know what Twitter-pated is, watch Bambi. Get, get a clue, all right? <laughs> get on board, all right? <laughs> that means you're in love, all right? So, um, so I'm... It's Friday night. I'm going to go out on a date and uh, tell my dad, I'm going to borrow the truck. He said, how many miles since the last oil change? Well, I knew it had been over. I said, I'm not sure. He said, well, let's go look. He said, nope, not till you change oil. So I get out there, and I'm underneath the hood of that truck, and I'm, I'm working. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the first time this ever happened to me, the presence of God showed up in my life. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know what it was. I'd never experienced it before. I'm underneath that truck, and the presence of God and the call of God was so strong in my life. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm, I'm a teenager. 
and my hands are shaking. I can't, I'm trying to get a wrench on a bolt, and I can't do it, and I'm, I'm just flustered. I don't know what to do. So I handled the way I handled everything else. I got mad, and I remember just throwing that wrench down underneath, and I remember running out in my dad's front yard at 5166 Woodcrest Road. And I remember looking up in the sky and screaming like a lunatic, leave me alone. That tells you a few things. That it was God that was dealing with me, and I knew where it was coming from. And I am solidly convinced that if anybody had ever shared the gospel with me, instead of saying, leave me alone out of frustration, I'd have fell on my face in that front yard and repented and given my heart to Christ. But I don't know what to do. Nobody had ever shared the gospel with me. I didn't know I needed a Savior because nobody had ever shared the gospel with me. And then right after that, something happened. I'm immediately, seconds after that, I just whispered underneath my voice, God, I didn't really mean that. And I went on my life in the Bible Belt or the Bible Belt of Jacksonville, Florida. I graduated high school. We got married. I'm still lost. We have a young child, a daughter. Again, nobody ever invited me to church. Nobody ever shared the gospel with me. She calls me at work. I work for Toyota. She calls me at work, and she says, hey, or I call her at lunchtime. I said, hey, the preacher from the church around the corner came by. And I said, what's wrong? I mean, I didn't even know what happened. Somebody, I mean, earthquake, what's happened? I don't know what's going on, plane crash? I said, no, he just wanted to invite us to church. And I remember what I said, the preacher came by and invited us to church? What is going on? But you know what? I went to church. We went there. We, we, we eased up in that church. I sat down on the back row, and I sat down, and I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been to church. I'd never been to a church service. The only church I've been to is, is funerals and weddings. And I sit, we sit there on the back pew, and thank God that Pastor Bill Turner was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and not how to increase my bank account. Thank God he stood flat-footed behind that pulpit and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now I can say this, there's a couple things I knew when that man got done. I knew that he was right and I knew that I was in trouble. That's what the gospel does. Went back again, because I'm just, I'm just crazy. And again, he preached the gospel of Jesus. I'll never forget, Pastor Bill Turner, bald. When he get really get to preach, he had a blue vein that would stick out like that. And when that happened, I didn't hear anything else he said. I was just focusing on that vein. So thank God he preached the gospel before he really got into it. <laughs> I'm thinking, how big can that thing possibly get? But anyway, but it, thank God he preached the gospel. I heard it again and again. I knew what he was saying was right and true, and I knew that I was in trouble. So then we got brave and decided to go to a college or career Sunday school class. Never been to Sunday school class in my life. I'm, I'm scared to death somebody's going to ask me to read out of a book called Ecclesiastes or something. I, I didn't even know where John 3.16 was. Terrified. We go in there. It was great. It was a real cordial. The next Sunday, but I got questions, but I'm not asking in front of these 25 people. I can tell you that right now. The next Sunday... 
Our daughter's sick. My wife can't go. I said, I'm going. I like that class. Cool people in there. We get there. Nobody else shows up. It's me and the teacher. It was a setup, and it was set up by God. They didn't do it on purpose because God knew I wasn't going to ask a question among all these Christian people because I knew it was going to be silly. But I asked, it, I asked her the question. I said, and it was the pastor's wife who was teaching the class. I said, this salvation stuff, what, what does all this mean? I mean, how do I know? And I asked her, I said, how do I know if I'm saved? I don't think I'm saved. I hear this, and, I, and, I'm, and she's, again, lay, lays the gospel out for me. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, repentance, and then call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. She might even try to take me down the Romans road. I'm not sure. But whatever it was, I heard about five minutes of that. I heard all that I needed to say. The Holy Spirit called me, drew me, broke me. I just put my face in my hand, and I'm crying. I just cried out to God. Say, God, I don't understand all this, but I know that I need it. Please save me and forgive me. I repent of all of my sins, and I give my life to you right now. And amen. To God be the glory. I walked in that Sunday school room with an addiction problem. Because my mom and dad, before they got saved, were alcoholics my whole life. My three sisters got into drugs, alcohol extremely heavy. I was headed down the same road. I had that gene in me or something, that addictive personality. And even, even though I wasn't a, a drug addict underneath an overpass, when I didn't have alcohol or drugs, and, and sometimes and it, I could just feel like it was just calling me. It was calling me to it. I could feel it there, and I was trying to resist, but I couldn't stop. I couldn't quit. I wanted to. I cried myself asleep at night. I'm going to lose everything I got. I can't stop. I'm going to tell you God is a miracle-working God because when he saves, he also delivers. He, I heard a preacher say, amen. I heard a preacher say a long time ago, God, uh, a long time ago, God don't save halfway. And he saved me, and I walked in that room struggling with all those things. Didn't even know what I was doing 100%, except I knew I needed this gospel. I needed God. I prayed and asked him to receive him uh, as Lord and Savior, forgive me of my sins. And I, and I walked out of that room completely delivered. I've never touched another drop of alcohol. I've never done any type of drug of any kind since that day. Because God delivers, and he delivers because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and he, he makes us whole. And I want you to know that he is still saving today, and there is only one way that the whole world could be saved, and that's if they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They will not know him unless we tell them. Tell them. Tell them. Don't be afraid of it. Well, I don't know, preacher. I just, you know, I just, I don't really know what to say. You know, I, I, I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question. I don't know. Join the club. If somebody asks you a question, they say, well, what's it say? I say, man, I don't know, but I'll, I'll, I'll search it. I'll call some of the elders of the church, and we'll find out what I'll get back with you. It's funny how we're not afraid to talk about the Jaguars. If you're going to be intimidated to talk about Jaguars, now is your season. <laughs> it's amazing that we could talk about everything else. We know all the stats. We know the snapper's name. Nobody knows who the snapper is. Nobody knows who the center is. You know all the, line, all the stats. You know everything about them, but you don't know everything about sharing the gospel. You know how you're going to find out? Learn it. Learn it. So when you're asked... It says, study, show thyself approved, a workman rightfully, rightfully dividing the word of truth. 
that when they ask you a question, you've got the answer. Study it like you do your football team. Spend as much time in this as you do with this. All right, I'm preaching too hard for you now. We're going <laughs> to. I encourage you, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share your story with people and tell them it just doesn't happen out of the sky. It happened because I put my trust in Jesus Christ. Share your testimony. Share the gospel. Get out there. There is a, there is a world that is dying and going to hell by the hundreds of thousands every day. And there's some just like Gene Dillon that's never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to fly out of this country to find them. They're here. Go tell them. Go tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we love you and we praise you. Lord, I pray that we would make a commitment right here, right now in this place, each one of us as individuals. Lord, that we would commit ourselves to sharing the gospel. That we would commit ourselves to telling others about your saving grace. They're out there. We know they're out there. They have not heard. How will they hear unless we go? God, send us with the power of your Holy Spirit, with the water of your word. Hide us in the shadow of the cross and let us blaze the gospel into dark areas of this world. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.